0: My next guests, I met them at a Saqqara event. I was 100 months pregnant, and they liked what I had to say about all things baby. And then I fell in love with Amanda, not just for her generosity and her skills, but I wanted to dance. I was a dancer, and she was a dancer, and I could take a class of hers and follow along and not feel like a failure afterwards. So that's how we met. She celebrated with me during my birthday, leading a whole class, which was so much fun, and then came to my house and helped me get my body back in shape after baby. And so when I saw that Amanda's book was coming out on the same day today as mine, I thought this couldn't be a more perfect guest, someone I truly admire, someone who exemplifies courage. Her wonderful book is called Live Your Life, the story of her loving and losing Nick Cordero. And I want her to share her story with you. Her gorgeous and wonderful talented sister is here today, who also co-authored the book with her, Anna Klutz, and they're gonna have a conversation. And I'll let you ladies take it away.
1: Hi, Rebecca. We're so happy to be here. So excited for you and truly honored to be guests. So thank you for having us. Yes, yeah, thank you, Rebecca. You know how much I love and admire you as a girl boss and mom and entrepreneur and multitasker. And so I'm really proud of you and excited um, for your launch day as well. And thank you for having us.
0: It's launch day party. We're both having books, and everyone's <laughs> Being so excited to meet them both. So have a great conversation.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So Mandy, I get to ask you questions that I feel like everyone wishes they could ask you. So um, I'm going to dive into it and, and then we can chat about some other things as well. But you have been incredibly courageous in the face of everything you faced last year, but especially losing Nick, your husband. How did you find this courage and how did you remain so positive in the face of so much adversity? Um, well, thanks, sister. You know, I think it was, it was a slow roll, to be honest. I mean, when I first started sharing about Nick's, you know, diagnosis and going into the hospital and the ICU. You know, I was just I was just sharing it because I felt a responsibility to let people know that his only symptom was being tired and laying on the couch. Um, which was not a symptom that you were hearing anywhere on the news and everyone I think can attest to be in, watching the news twenty four seven at that point in our lives. I had no expectations that it was going to snowball so quickly into what it did in just 18 days. And then again, carry on for 95 days. But but I really think I, I found the courage, yes, within myself, but then that virtual army that just kind of started to follow me in our story and offer their prayers and support and their singing and dancing and Medical advice every single day just helped to even build up my courage even more. It just kind of became something like I was getting that energy from them and it helped me to kind of refuel and fire up for whatever I had to share that day. And I look back on it now and I feel like it really was truly therapy for me. Every day I would get online and I would tell what was going on. I was just being open and honest and vulnerable, but. It was also kind of, you know, one of the first things they'll tell you to do in therapy is to talk it out, you know, say what you say, what's in your mind. And that's exactly what I was doing every day. And, and I think that by sharing that story, it really, really kind of helped me to get stronger each and every day and build up that strength to just keep going and keep persevering and keep being resilient because it was like, I didn't want to let Nick down. I didn't want to let my family down. I didn't want to let Nick's family down. I didn't want to let the virtual army down. I think what's amazing is that in being courageous enough to share what was going on, which was intimate and hard to talk about and took some bravery because no one else was going through this but you, you then were given that fuel that sort of then fueled the courage to keep coming. And like you said, the army was a huge part of the spirit and the empowerment and the feeling like you're not alone in this. So there's truly something about sharing when you're most vulnerable, that that's when people swoop in and and support you. Absolutely. And, you know, I think maybe the initial reaction would be to like go away and hide and keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And listen, maybe if we were in a global pandemic, I probably would have just kept it in and been myself. But, you know, prior to all of this, I lived a very open and honest life, you know, running my fitness business online, like being on Instagram stories saying what I was doing today or sharing information or, you know, doing anything was not out of normal for me. And I really kind of felt like I can't lead a double life here. I can't have my husband in the ICU and then be on Instagram talking about join me in my workout today. I had to share, but you're right, Anna and sharing. It caught, it got me stronger. It really, kind of, it really kind of juiced up my, my system because even on days that I didn't want to go live at 3 p.m. because I was laying in bed crying or just not in the mood or just had no energy, I would do it and I would immediately be filled with love and song and dance and peoples and like positive reactions back and it just made everything better. No, remember we would sing for a while and then we got into a habit of then staying on and just like chatting with everyone because it's true. Like you did feel better. And I think in a time when everyone felt so isolated and alone, mm-hmm. it, it was this connection to people all over the place. And it it brought connection to a time when everybody felt really alone, especially, you right. know, and, and I think it, that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like you were talking to someone when you really had no one to talk to. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So you have continued to shine a light on causes you're passionate about, working, being a mother, writing a book, a TV show host. How do you get it all done? How do you get it all done? I I am your sister, and I still need to know this question. Um, And who is your support team? I think I get it all done because I have a support team, because I have help. When I started my own business, I learned a very important lesson of asking for help. People that love you, that want to see you succeed in life, that are your dear, truest friends, want to help you. And sometimes it's hard to ask because it might seem to you like a sign of weakness, but it's actually a sign of strength. And so I ask for help. I ask for a lot of help. I have a nanny. I have a nanny. I have a lot of friends that will drop anything they're doing to run and help me. But I'm also really good at compartmentalizing part- my day. I do something and then I check it off my list and I move on. It's like I swipe it to the left and then I look at what's next. And then I check that off and I swipe it to the left. And that's kind of just how I'm able to run all my businesses and write a book. And be a mom, you know all of these things. I just like I, I just make sure I put room in my day for all of them. And once they're done, I let it go. Even if I didn't do a perfect job at it, I just I move it, move on to the next task. I will say too, I think you are a hustler. Like I've never seen someone hustle. I I do not know anyone personally because I I knew so much of your life who works as hard as you do. You have had. A million jobs your whole life when it goes back to you being in high school and being in the musical and this and ballet and rehearsing for this and (laughs) like that you have actually been a multitasker trying to do all the things you want to do and are passionate about your whole life. So I'm I'm a little worried because you've got a lot of life to go. What else is gonna happen? How many new projects are you gonna take on? (laughs) Am I ever burnout? I, don't I hope not. You know, I, you know, I thrive that way, though. I like working. I love I love having things to do. I love creating. I often worry that I, I am my best person when I'm overworked, if that even makes sense. I don't know, you know, but like I, I can laser focus in on um on a project or several projects and get into it and maybe too much, you know, Nick used to sometimes tell me, as you know, Anna, to find the balance. So I think right now in life, I actually am trying to find more of a balance. I do think though, all the things are uh, like, they're not completely separate. Like they all play into each other. And I think that's why it works. Like even taking on the project of writing this book in six months with everything else that was already going on, the book related to everything else, everything in every, all of these many jobs you have actually do relate to each other in so many ways that it makes sense that the more your work, the more the inspiration is churning, the more the, you know, you're getting the hang of it. You're getting better at it. New ideas yes. are forming that match this, that match that. Like it, they all play on to each other. And I think it actually makes you stronger at every single job you're doing. Yeah, that's true, sister, because like going even going through grief or writing this book, but then having my fitness company and trying to make videos for my app or whatever I have to do or teachings over Zoom classes, that helps with my mental health. You know, like I feel better once I've worked out. So it's like it's a reward. My my fitness business is like a reward for me because it helps me to relieve stress and anxiety. It keeps me Wrong for myself, for Elvis. And yeah, so you're right. It kind of is like this big circle, circular. Everything's thing. connected. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. Being fearless can be scary. Mm -hmm. You are scared and yet you take the risk anyway. What are some of the skills you've honed to make this a reality? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So Anna, you know this, but on my Instagram every morning, I always post an AK positive thought of the day. It's many years strong now. I was just going to say, it's like four years or five years strong. Yes. And today's was... Oh, I should read it because it's so good. And it's about basically, it's about indecision. I'll paraphrase, but it's basically about how indecision, indecision will hold you back. It's like, it's, it's the thief of opportunity, basically. So having fear overtake your body will hold you back. Right. And the wrong decision might be wrong but at least it's a decision that moves you forward so if you even just try to get through your fear or face your fear you'll either learn one way or another how you have to kind of navigate that next decision but at least you've made a decision and move forward i just love that i love that and yes fear can hold you back absolutely And it does. Of course, I've had moments where I don't do things because they scare me. But I am the type of person, I think I've found that I cast a lot of nets. And when I'm scared of something, I'll like kind of dip my toe in it as I'm strong in something else. So that if it necessarily isn't the right decision or if it doesn't work out, I still have like my strong net that is cast. And then if it does work out, then I kind of like build up around that. But at least I cast the net and try for sure. And I I said this to you earlier in a in an interview we did last week that I said you know when people were saying how did you just start this next phase of your life wasn't it terrifying to know I'm now a single mother I'm now uh, you know the only provider for this family it's the rest of our lives and how do you jump into this new life that's so different from your old one and I think the answer we both came up with is that it's just as scary to let the fear mount of what's that next chapter going to look like. And if you just stall and you're too afraid to jump into it, you have to jump in at some point. So by letting that fear mount, you said the fear eventually takes your body over and you're so afraid where if you just go, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just have to jive in and go for it because this is the next thing I have to do. And that fear of the fear of the unknown is just as terrifying as the fear of, I have to do this thing and I'm too afraid. And so it's like, pick one, one's going to move you forward. One's going to keep you right where you are shaking in your boots. So go for it. Yeah, no, and, and build up, you know, like it's such a, it's, you're, you're so right, Anne. If you are at a moment of, do I stay where I am or do I jump and be fearless? if you stay where you are and let it build up, that mountain only gets higher. And if you jump right away, you're jumping from base camp. I've always too felt the leaps I took of moving abroad every time and the crazy things, you know, every crazy thing you take, you say, I've always said to myself, like, will I be more scared of what would, where would that path have taken me if I took it? Because if I stay where I am, I kind of know what's going to happen. What happened? How, how will I look back if I go, what would have happened if? And, and the fear of that for me, the fear of what would have happened if is actually worse than the fear of, of saying, is this the right thing? I'd rather yeah. just take the path and look back and go, well, that was wrong than going, well, what if it had been right? <laughs> right. Yes. All right. What is one moment where you were scared and shaking in your boots, yet you prevailed and what happened as a result? You know, I would say that looking back on, you know, when they were telling me about Nick's leg and the possibility of him losing his leg and, um, just knowing that every day they were like, yeah, you know, the, the blood clots not doing good. The swelling's kind of bad and we're going to try this. And then it didn't work. And You know, in the back of my head, I was thinking, "This doesn't sound good," you know. And and sometimes they wouldn't bring it up, and I'd be like, "How's the leg? Just checking in on the leg. It's okay," you know. And like, I felt this like fear of it was a kind of like a knowing. I knew it was going to happen. Like, I knew they were going to call me one day and say, "We have to amputate Nick's leg." And you know, that was only 17 days into Nick's hospital stay. That's how far and how fast everything happened. With him, And he was unconscious. He could not make this decision. I had to make this decision for him, an actor who uses his body to do his work, a man who, as all actors are, you know, is very concerned about what your body looks like and how um, people perceive what it looks like. That's just part of our job. And so I knew that this would you know devastate him to wake up one day and realize he did not have his leg i did have to make that choice and the fear of that was terrible and then the day that they called and and confirmed what i had been thinking was the worst you know just no wife wants to make that that decision and um and then seeing him in the hospital right before that operation i was terrified and i i couldn't breathe when i left the hospital and then I switched my, I, I flipped my switch because it literally was life or leg. If he had kept that leg on, his body was basically deteriorating. It was like the infection in his leg was going to infect his entire body. We had, to, we had to get rid of it. And that made that decision a lot easier to understand and take. And I knew Nick would understand that one day. And then I was like, okay, how can I be proactive about this, right? Like, how can I, when Nick wakes up, go, honey this is what happened. It's awful. But guess what? I've talked to five amputees. I've talked to three doctors that have amazing prosthetics. I know what is going to happen. I have people waiting to talk to you and, you know, have the research in front of them. So he felt supported and loved and that I felt like everything was going to be okay. And he would feel like everything was going to be okay. You know, so I just, I I prevailed in that way. I didn't sit in it. And I just started researching and talking to, you know, people that had had that same situation and how they overcame their fear and how now they are living their life and striving and moving forward and, and being amazing people to help other people get over their fears on this. So I think some, that would be, that would be that answer. You know, that is honestly, that isn't even what came to my mind for you, Mandy, but that Your your spirit and and true courage and fearlessness through all of that honestly like I was in I'm always in awe of you but I was in complete awe of you because when we when me mom and dad and Allie got that call that they were taking Nick's leg that was the first time that I literally like lost the wind out of me and was like what because of everything you said how that how that changes someone's life and. And of course, for you, knowing not just for Nick's career, but also knowing like, he's a father, like, how is he going to play with Elvis, pick up out, like just a million things ran through my head. And I felt really just like gutted and sick for the first time in a hugely serious, like this is, it was a moment of knowing like, Nick's not just going to walk out of the hospital as Nick. Mm -hmm. And, and I got to LA the day after that happened, they took, uh, after the surgery and you were on the phone with an amputee already. And then the next night you were on, you were again and again, and then you were researching prosthetics and then you were doing, and, and you were so proactive. And, and it, it, I understood, like I had I said to you at one point, remember, I was like, if I'm ever in the hospital, like, will you please be my person? Like, I'm, I'm nominating you to be the cheerleader, the doctor, everything. Because like, that is the exact spirit that someone who were to, you know, wake up and realize my leg is gone and his wife is there, going, doesn't matter. We I already found the best prosthetic. We're doing this, we're doing this. I talked to this person. Here's a group for you to go to. Like you had a support group lined up for Nick to go to of, of other amputees and in the in Los Angeles area. Like that was truly amazing and so courageous and 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 truly fearless. Like that was a a true moment that I don't think many people would have acted, how, how you reacted and were so proactive. That doesn't come normally to people. Oh, well, thank you, sister. Do you remember how, um, I, I, the story is in the book, but how I finally, and one, when I was talking to the one amputee, he, he said, did Nick have a below the knee amputation or above the knee amputation? And I said, well, they told me going into the surgery, it would be below the knee. But then when they got in there, there was too much damage and infection done that they had to do an above the knee amputation. And I had learned through research that if you can save the knee, you try to save the knee just for prosthetics. It's just a lot of an easier transition for the patient. And so I was really bummed that they had to do above the knee. And he goes, oh, so he had an AK amputation. And I go, huh? He goes, that's what it's called. Above the knee is called an AK amputation. And below the knee is a BK amputation. So he had an AK amputation. I go, oh my God, that's my initials. That's the name of my fitness business. I'm a trainer. If anyone can make this man get back on his legs again, it's gonna be me. <laughs> and I remember being in the hospital with you and we were talking to Nick and you were like, I've got the training. I've got the program lined up already. <laughs> And you could see Nick like, oh no, (laughs) knowing like, great, I'm the the best wife ever, but also like, what's she gonna put me through? (laughs) Because you would give Nick training sessions, and he was like, wiped afterward, and like we all are after a training session with you. But that I remember that so well. I remember you saying, of course, Nick's gonna say, of course, I had an AK amputation. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. No, I think there were so many, I mean, that that was the first of many things like that that were thrown at you, these these things that sounded horrible. And I think the there's a lesson there of like instead of just letting that fear of the unknown, because we don't have any experience with amputees, we don't know anyone with a prosthetic. And when you know nothing about it, it sounds terrifying. And instead of just letting that fear of that unknown conquer you, you decided to learn everything you could talk to everyone you could and immediately realize like okay of course this is not how this should have gone in my dream but it's going to be okay this is not as scary as it sounds there's this option and this option and this group and this and and you did that every time something came our way because you know when you're dealing with the ICU it, like we said in the book all the time it's a foreign language you don't know any of the words they're using half the terms don't make sense and rather than just letting that fear of the unknown overtake you every time, you exhaustively researched everything, talked to everyone, learned as much as you could so that you were educated instead of scared and you educated it so that you understood. And so that also, you know, when Nick woke up, Nick would understand and you could tell him and say, you know, listen, don't be scared. I've, I've got this figured out already. And that, oh, is, that is truly amazing. Well, thanks, sister. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I am so truly blessed and lucky to be your sister. I learn from you every single day, like everyone else around the world has. and I feel very lucky to have a front row seat to the <laughs> to the all the information and all the inspiration and and thank you for for being so fearless and helping everyone else be fearless too. Sister, you're sharing the seat. You shared this whole ride with me. I wouldn't have it any other way. I love you so much, Annie. Thank you so much again, sister. And let everybody know, Live Your Life is out today. Where can they purchase it? They can purchase Live Your Life on harpercollins.com, on amazon.com, pagesbookstore.com, audible.com. I am the voice of the audiobook um, that will be in your mailbox. Uh, at midnight on that on our midnight today which should be in your mailbox and uh anywhere out barnesandnoble.com anywhere you can buy a book you'll you'll be able to purchase live your life
0: thanks for listening everybody and don't forget to head over to rebecca minkoff.com show your love and support for the brand buy something for yourself buy something for another And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom Macy's scentbirds and birch boxes as well as our site.